You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, sports fans, we are living in a gangster's paradise here in the uh, 1450 studios. Mike Gandolfo here. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm here with my man, JT. JT, how's it going? Did you have a good week? Uh, pretty good week. Yeah? All right. Good. I mean... Uh, we got. We're going to be here talking for the next two hours, talking about the week that was and the weekend that is in sports. Uh, it should be a pretty good show. We got a, a lot of stuff kind of going on, especially stuff in the fringe. We've got more stuff on uh, on the LeBron to Cleveland um, and what's going to happen next. Uh, you know, and what's going on, all the chips that are falling on NBA free agency. Uh, we had a little NBA summer league game last night of local interest with uh, Gorgie versus Russ, and mm. I, so that was uh, I think a lot of fun for. Uh, people saw Twitter was Twitter was loud last night when Gorgie and Russ were going at it uh, with all the loyal riders and uh, a lot of guys talking about how much they like watching the summer league you watch any summer league basketball I do sometimes yeah summer league is a lot of fun I think it is a lot of fun to watch but I, I was just chuckling because uh, this is something Kentucky fans have known for a long time and basically every summer league game you turn on has a Kentucky guy yeah, I mean, last year especially with uh, Miller in there all the time. And then Miller, Darius Miller, man, getting a I got contract. a contract, yeah, that was huge. Peyton Steve unfortunately, did not. Mm. And so he is uh, no longer with the uh, Detroit Pistons, and I don't know what he does next. But, again, that's a guy, he sh- he comes back to Louisville, and he's going to be taken care of. You know? Yeah, I mean, they could make him a coach or something. They got to have something for him, Yeah, I think. You know, I don't I, know. I, you know, Peyton Steve is just, he's – one of those guards that was really good in college but may not fit into the NBA system like we talked about earlier just because he's more of a pass-first guard and he's not really a scorer. So unless you're Rondo, like amazing at passing, that you're not going to cope in the NBA that way. Well, that, but the funny thing, so let's, you know, especially with Rondo basically having the stigma of being a really bad teammate. I mean, that's most, most free agents don't want to go to Boston because they don't want to play with Rondo. And uh, – I think the reason why Rondo hasn't been traded right now is because a lot of teams don't want Rondo because the most, you know, the I guess the reputation he has is that he's a cancer in the clubhouse. Mm. So, so now Siva's the exact opposite, right? Right. Siva would be the ultimate kind of clubhouse team guy, the guy that you would want to have leading your team. He played pretty well in the summer league the times I saw him. I mean, I thought he was – I mean, there was a couple times he made some pretty amazing plays. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess the uh, Pistons had to make room for Jody Meeks. I don't know. Yeah. You know, not, they're different well, positions, but yeah. I just uh, – Meeks is – we talk about Meeks. Meeks is one of those guys that could really go off, though. We saw him with the Lakers last year. 42 points in 42 points. He's – and we saw it at Kentucky. He set the oh, all-time yeah. single-game record when he beat Tennessee. What was yeah. it, 55 points? That's right. Well, Billy Gillespie's yelling at him the entire time yeah. to stop shooting because he's shooting too much. He's being a ball hog. Well, I mean, Jody if Meeks, you're scoring, who cares, right? You well, Jody Meeks doesn't score on that Kentucky team. Nobody does. Well, I mean, Patrick – they had Patrick Patterson. They did, but he was not, like, uh, the scoring no. machine. It was no. like – Jody Meeks was literally the only guy on that team that could really score on a consistent yeah. basis. He was – yeah, that was uh, the highlight for Billy Gillespie was that game, was Jody Meeks scoring 55 points. He was legitimately mad about about it that's that's why he got fired probably because he couldn't win he, he got mad when we were winning well it doesn't make any sense to me but so um so unfortunately Peyton Siva no longer Detroit Piston any yep. chance he gets picked up by someone else I, I would probably doubt it probably not but you never know never I know. mean he like you said it'd be a great thing and you know to have Peyton Siva picked up because like you said he's a great guy you know he 
you know, would fit well in the clubhouse, but, you know, maybe not so well on an NBA roster. And another guy I think that battles his size, and he's not a great shooter for his position, you know, but, you know, he takes to the basket fearlessly, and uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure he'll he'll bounce around, play maybe play overseas, play in the D League. Yeah. Another guy is going to have to play overseas that wasn't planning on it, Emmanuel Moutier. You know Emmanuel Moutier? Heard of him. Emmanuel Moutier is the uh, – was an – what I would consider the best recruit to come out of uh, high school basketball last year, mm-hmm. probably the most NBA-ready recruit to come out of high school basketball, uh, signed with SMU, picked SMU over Kentucky. Yeah, and that doesn't uh, make any sense to me. But Well, he's from Dallas. Uh, yeah, I know, but it's SMU. But no, anyway. You know, SMU's got freaking they're, Larry they're, Brown. I mean, yeah, they're, they're a decent program, but they're not Kentucky. Yeah, but I mean, you also got to remember, there's times when a Kentucky homegrown football player chooses to play a Kentucky Overplaying like at Ohio State, right? So, okay. I mean, it, that, I mean, that well, how often does that hot happen? It happens pretty often. I mean, you had Jason Hatcher last year who chose to come to Kentucky over Southern California. Yeah. You had Tim Couch who could have gone anywhere he wanted to, right? You got yeah. Drew Drew Barker could have gone pretty much anywhere he wanted to, um, even maybe even Patrick Tolles. So you got guys who are highly recruited guys who choose to stay home and plus yeah. it's not like they don't have a hall of fame coach that's true i mean they have a they have a guy and they 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 could start making some noise if moutier would have happened uh yeah unfortunately um moutier plays at a, at a prep school in dallas that was started by Deion sanders and mm-hmm. um the prep school's always had the prom prep in dallas has always had some trouble um with its academic standing with the ncaa so that's why he had to go overseas well, I think what he was figuring out was that he had uh, the NCAA was going to have to rule on his eligibility, mm-hmm. and what we've seen in the past are they they're not in a hurry to do so, you know. Yeah. So he had to choose: do I want to wait around for the NCAA and figure out what's you know what they're going to end up doing, and probably not play until the middle of December at best case scenario, or go ahead and go over to Europe and make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, go ahead and sign my. Yeah, um, my, and then maybe go back to college if you can get your eligibility. You can't, you can't go back to college after you do that. You're a pro. So he's not going back to college. <laughs> he's going to be a uh, – he could be the number one overall pick next year. We'll see, I suppose. So, I mean, if I think there's a pretty good chance uh, that that could happen. Now, that brings up questions, you know. If we've seen this happen before, happened with Brandon Jennings, you know, happened with some other guys. Uh, yeah. they go to Europe. Is this could this be something that we could start seeing trending more and more in college basketball, where these top guys decide to go over playing Europe for a year or two, especially if the two year rule comes into play? I think they go to Europe, get paid, and then they get drafted. I think that with the two year thing, I think you're going to be seeing more of an influx of players, like you said, going to Europe. I think with the one year, it's probably going to be limited because one year is not that big of a deal, I don't think. But once it starts getting you know, two years or more players are going to be wanting to go over to Europe. Then the question is, well, how are you going to get players to actually go to college? Do you say you, that you can't you can't go over to Europe, or what's going to be? Well, I mean, who who can that? say that? You can't. Who can? I'm just can say saying why restricting the players to more college time, which is what you wanted, and I agree they should go to college or play a little bit more. Are they going to? How are they going to be able to, you know, navigate that how they want to? Well, I think there's a benefit for these players to go play in college. I I agree. That you don't get in Europe. Right, I agree. I'm just saying 
that's what the NCAA wants. That's what we agree that they should do. But then if the players start playing in Europe, like you said, there's nothing that the NBA can do about it. Right. What I'm trying to say, though, is there's a benefit to the kid that's not not them getting an education. The benefit to the kid is that they're able experience. to. Experience. No, I mean, the experience probably is, for the NBA is probably better in Europe, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, you're playing with grown men over there and more of an NBA-style game. Uh, the experience for me, I think, it's more of the fact that you're not getting seen in Europe. So you're not building your brand. You're not taking right. full advantage of your marketing opportunity playing in Europe. You know, if he goes to play Real Madrid, yeah. uh, which is one of the top basketball programs sure, in yeah. Europe. Yeah. Spain's got a fantastic basketball program. They're not on ESPN. And, right. you know, maybe – actually, I take that back. I know they have been in the past, but it's not like it's if not- you go to – Duke or oh, Kentucky, you're going to yeah. be on national television most of the time, almost every game. Yeah, and you can build this this brand, you know, and um, and when you come over and you want to sign an endorsement deal or whatever else, I think that helps. I mean, uh, uh, you can you're starting to build your brand before we even get to that, uh, before you even get to the pro level. Now you can't make any money, but right. And you have to go to class, especially if we go. The, that's the thing for me for the two-year rules. You're going to have to find – kids are going to have to actually be somewhat more interested in their academic side right. right? to pull that off. And I would like to – if they do that, I'd love to see them uh, do some things where they so that offer these athletes, whether they're basketball or football players, some, some classes that help prepare them more for what their lifestyle is going to be like, you know? But that's such like, a small percentage. Like, like what? Like what prepares you for class for you know, the NBA? I'm talking about like handling your finances. Or, okay, I got or, you. Some business classes, maybe. Or, um, you know, public speaking. Inter- right. You know, how to handle media interviews. Those kind of things. But the problem is, is that, I mean, I mean, but if, if I you're mean, good, if you're a good college, right, you might have six pro athletes on campus. Right. I mean, if you, I mean, I'm, if you go to Kentucky, that might be a program that you might put in. But if you're going to a school like and I love my school, but if you're going to Kansas State, which is not really a huge basketball school, I mean, they're top 30, but they get like an NBA draft pick every maybe two or three years, that would be not feasible. I mean, be feasible for college football because Bill Snyder puts out two or three people every year. But would it help Michael Weasley. Yeah, but I'm just saying that, uh, you know, it's not feasible for a lot of colleges because they don't get that many NBA draft picks. I mean, some colleges get almost none in like five years, so. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, but you guys, you got football too, you know, right. and they they need the, they have the same needs. Uh, yeah. Even you got baseball guys too. I mean, well, yeah, they could uh, all put put in the limelight that they need to help form these guys because college is supposed to help you prepare you for your professional life, right? Sure. And I know that I I don't know if you've read Larry Bird's book called Drive, but he talks about this money concept that you're talking about. How he saved his money when he was in the NBA and didn't spend it on all these lavish things that NBA players and NFL players do. And so now he's got money, plus he, you know, does. But, I mean, even if he didn't, wasn't a GM or didn't coach, he would still have money because he saved it. But he talks about how all these players throw these lavish parties, how these bench, bench, bench players are wearing nicer watches than he was. And now that they're bankrupt, now that they're not making the money anymore and they're coming to him and asking him for money, and he said, well, why didn't you save your money while you were in the NBA? And then we we get a great story. Even on a lesser degree, there's a guy that you know, Reese Gaines, a local, played at U of L, all American. Did, didn't play, uh, didn't have an extremely long NBA career, you right. know, but had an NBA career. 
didn't didn't really spend his money. He's now wants to be a college coach. He's able to coach at Bellarmine. Right. For you don't make a lot of money when you're coaching at Bellarmine. No. No. All right. You're. I mean, you're barely above the poverty level. Division as two. an assistant coach yeah. in the Division two level. It's like getting into radio, but anyway. But because he saved all his money, he's able to he's able to do that. I mean, he's able to to weather that storm. So sure. This is all bringing up a, a really good topic of discussion because uh, so I was at um, this w- last week. I was at the AAU events recruiting some basketball players uh, Thursday morning. I think it was Thursday morning. All those days run together. When you watch, you know, 20-something basketball games in a row, <laughs> every day runs together, especially when it's bad basketball. Uh, but Thursday morning, um, I had breakfast with a couple guys from the NCAA and kind of talking about, you know, things that are on the forefront there. And we've seen – uh, a lot of these court cases coming up right now that are all kind of weirdly interconnected uh, that are kind of putting the NCAA model um, uh, kind of on trial. And are we going to start seeing the big thing right now? Are, are we going to start seeing kids getting paid? Um, so when we come back, I want to talk more about that, kind of where we are and where it could possibly go. And uh, we will discuss kind of the state of the NCAA and where it goes from here. And we will be right back on the Weekend Sports Bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Bus. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, that's all I'm bringing us in the break. Bad, bad Leroy Brown by Jim Croce. The number one hit this date in 1973. Heard awesome. that song a lot of times. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. cool song, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, only only two weeks, though, at number one, which is kind of uh, really? ironic. Yeah, you would have thought that this song would have been a little longer. This year, this week, 1973, Willie Mays was named an, an all-star for the 20 20- Fourth time, you know that's amazing. Twenty-four years as a major league all-star. Wow, I mean that's it tied Stan Musial's record, and it's just when you think you know. First off, playing baseball for twenty-four years is most players don't even play for. I think yeah. what what Chipper Jones played for nineteen. And that's so. a hell of a career, right? Yeah. I mean, and we'll, of course we celebrated this week the last all-star game of of one of the, one of the greatest shortstops of all time. Derek, Derek Jeter, Jeter. Yeah. and he, 19 years in the league, and only in, he only made 14 All Star games. Yeah, you know? I mean that's pretty good. <laughs> so when you consider that Willie Mays played in 24 All Star games, that's ridiculous. Did you watch the All Star game at all? I watched the home run derby. I didn't get a chance to watch the All Star game. The home run derby, which uh, we were talking about here a little bit earlier. Todd Frazier, the Reds, yeah. went national league the national champs. That's right. Because basically, because no one else in the National League could hit a home run. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of ironic. You and I also were talking that Frazier and Cespedes both had to uh, survive the first round and play off. They, yeah, they were both on the elimination buzz, and then they made it. Uh, it's always funny to me with the home run derby that the real story is rarely the guy who wins, but it's always like, you know, that one year at Yankee Stadium when, when Josh Hamilton went crazy, and yeah. you know, but he didn't end up winning, and this is the uh, Giancarlo uh, Stanton's monster shot. Was it's probably the thing that everyone's gonna remember. It's like, 
that it was like the third row. It was almost out of the ballpark. That was ridiculous. I saw the shot. It was incredible. I mean, that guy has some monster strength, and he was the pick for a lot of people to win the thing because he could just oh, he yeah. just got so, so strong. But I, he didn't hit any in the third round, which shocked me. Yeah, oh, And then uh, that's, of course, the reason why Todd Frazier was able to advance with his one home run. Now, he hits the one home run, and uh, I turn, and I'm like, okay, well, Todd Frazier's done. And then, lo and behold, it, uh, the pressure, I guess, of just hitting two home runs Got, got, got to Giancarlo Stanton. I think he probably started uh, thinking about, you know, that he's he has to hit the two or how embarrassed he would be, and then he ends up hitting none. And uh, just a, just yeah. a weird deal. So Yeah. Todd Frazier didn't play that well overall, except the second round he did well, six. But, you know, other yeah, than that. Not bad. Other than that, he really uh, kind of struggled in the home run derby, especially the first round, too, and then the third round won. But – Somehow, and then he only hit. What was he hit two in the last round, or was it one? I can't uh, it was. It was only a couple. I think. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. It was obvious too that he wasn't going to win it. And uh, Cespedes, well deserved. Uh, great hitter, back to back. I mean, only other back to back guy was King Griffey Jr. Um, right. So. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good. I would remember it just for that. He's uh Cespedes is one of the just upcoming studs. Uh, we were talking about. Mm. You know, he's an incredible home run hitter, but his arm is oh. Phenomenal to see him. He's thrown out more guys at home play this year than I can ever remember someone doing. And uh, he did it twice in one game against the Angels. And then he had that incredible throw from left field on the fly uh, to to get uh, to get the the guy out for the Angels. And it was just well, that's that you talk about the A's and the Angels. That's going to be one incredible race to see who wins that division because both of those teams are loaded with talent. And of course, the A's going out and getting a couple. Of, uh, pitchers, yeah, that, uh, they got the back of the rotation. Samarja. Samarja, yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> it's, they're just, I think they're loading up to really make a run at this. And Holy, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the A's have got the bats, and the sorry, sorry, the Angels have got the bats, and the A's have got the defense. Well, you know, the A's have got some good bats. They too. do too. I'm just saying, in comparison, if you want to kind Donaldson, of Cespedes, I mean, uh, yeah, but I, I think you're you. I really like seeing the probably the two top young stars. And the Trout. League, Trout and Cespedes are going to be going at it. And, mm. uh, it, sh- it should be a lot of fun. That's that's going to be a fun division to watch. As will be the National League Central. Oh, the National League Central. Uh, it's a killer every game because if the Reds lose, which they did last night, then you're like, oh, man, now we have to make up more games because you have to almost win at this point. You have to win every series almost to be able to, you know, stay in the hunt. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think it's something they can definitely do. they got to get healthier. It's going to be – they they just made a trade to get a White Sox minor league pitcher relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that is the beginning. Some people are speculating that that's the beginning trade talks of them bringing Adam Dunn back to Cincinnati, right. which you didn't like. But they I do. don't like. I don't they, like. The they big need dog. a big hitter though. They do, but I mean, again, he Joey Votto, Brandon Phillips, their big RBI I'm, guys or or their big hitters, I guess, are not in the lineup. But Dunn's not an RBI guy. He's a home run guy. There's a that's an RB. You, you hit a home run. That's an RBI. Yeah, but I'm still would. I would guess. I would venture to say that Brian Pena could hit as many RBIs, and would be better with mm-hmm. runs in scoring position because he doesn't strike out as much, and the strikes out. The I don't know. I'm there, not. A, I'm not a Pena and then, guy. But and we'll also, see. Dunn's done. I mean, he's, his career's over. I mean, he's he's an old man at this point. I just uh, I do not like what he brings to the Reds. He, too many strikeouts on a team mm. that was already striking out a lot to begin with. Yeah, I'm just it's that's not well. Yeah, I, I I I kind of agree with you. Jay Bruce strikes out a lot. 
and you don't want two guys that strike out a lot in Jay Bruce and Adam Dunn. And theoretically, they would be hitting pretty close together. Oh, so. absolutely, they would be. I mean, so I mean, back to back strikeouts five. are not good. But uh, I don't know. They need to get a bat though. With Joey Votto and Brandon Phillips uh, out, they need to get somebody. And granted, you said they're going to get Skip Schumacher back from concussion, but well, he's, yeah, hell, was he not back already? Or did he not play? I, I don't he think played. he played yesterday. He, he should be back really soon. So, but I'm just saying though, without. Brandon Phillips, who's the Reds' big RBI guy, along with Jay Bruce, at least last year, and then Joey Votto, who gets on base a lot, they're going to need a big bat to keep them in the race. The other interesting White Sox trade rumor I heard was them not getting Adam Dunn, but actually getting Alexi Ramirez. Oh, my goodness. That would be good. How are they going to pull that off? I think they can pull it off. I mean, I, th- I could see them. I mean, of course, well, they had I the, mean, the contract for Alexi Ramirez. They could deal Singrani, and he's a decent pitcher. Right. They had to get rid of some prospects, and then they, uh, you know, I, I like, I love Cozart's defense, but Alexi Ramirez is a pretty good defensive shortstop, and he's a much better bag. Cozart is a better shortstop in the field for sure, but Ramirez is not that far down of a trade down as much as uh, the – when you yeah. consider how much better Ramirez is as a hitter uh, than Cozart, yeah. so well, Cozart, uh, all that stuff's gonna be shaking out here in the next you know ten days or so as we're yeah. creeping close or eleven days as we creep close to the uh, the trade deadline. Um, and yeah, and you know uh, Cozart kind of matches the Reds' defensive strategy though. The Reds, like we talked about earlier, are the best uh, best defensive team in the National League, at least with Brandon Phillips and Joey Votto playing right and Cozart is really good defensively which you talked about but at this point they do realize that they do need hitters they can't just rely on that defense uh because you know uh as an example last night nobody could get on base right I mean Brian Pena hit two home runs but they were so low shots no one could get on base and Brian Pena is not normally a guy who hits home runs. But. Tony, I think if he plays every day, you're gonna you'd see more of it. And I, I don't know if we can judge that without seeing him play every day. When he played every day for Devin Mesoraco, when Mesoraco was out, he was hitting well over 300 and he was hitting a lot of home runs. So mm. you, you play him every day. I think you take your chances, and he's a much better glove than Adam Dunn. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's get on to the uh, what we were gonna talk about with the NCAA. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. No, we can get a little baseball talk in there. Uh, you know, this is our show. We can do what we want, JT. I suppose. Okay. The uh, the NCAA model right now, let's just kind of talk about where they are right now. you got a situation where kids get a full scholarship, which is a very valuable consideration. But that that's all they get as far as they don't if – they, if a kid wants to go to the movies or whatever else, they cannot – they don't get a stipend from their college to do that, and they're not right. a Division One athlete is not allowed to have a job, right? Which stinks. Yeah, but and and really the way that athletics are right now, where these kids are basically there year round. I mean, if if you're a college football player, a college basketball player, for example, you're at your college right now taking summer school and doing your workouts. And even like K State got into trouble for this, and it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't remember if you remember Curtis Kelly. Uh, they played Syracuse in the third round, or what you consider the third round now. Um, and he was suspended for the game because his high school coach had helped him out because he needed money. Right. It didn't have anything to do with K-State. K-State did nothing, but he got suspended because for the game because NCAA is kind of a, you know, about it. So, I mean, you can't get anything from anybody. Even I mean, his high school coach was his, you know, a family friend, and you Basically. can't. And you can't get any money from anyone. It's like, 
I'm in trouble. You know, a normal college student, I could talk to, you know, my whoever, my priest or maybe uh, my high school life, uh, theoretically, my high school coach. I mean, I did play high school basketball. wasn't that great. But I'm just saying, and I can get money, but a normal athlete can't. And I think that's unfair. Well, especially when you consider the – I mean, listen, everyone wants to just think about the top athletes at the school and the top football players and top basketball players. But, you know, let's just say you're the seventh player on the women's basketball team sure. that's on a full scholarship – Mm-hmm. And came from a poor background, right? You do not have money just to do normal kid stuff on the weekends, and it's you right. can't go out and work and make it happen. A, it's against the NCAA rules to do so, and B, you really probably don't even have the time to do it. You know, right. and so these kids are somewhat, in some ways, they get an enhanced college experience that no one else gets because of being able to play on these teams and travel right. the country and and do all that stuff. But they do a tremendous sacrifice. And it's just like anyone else. When you get that scholarship, it feels more like a job. Okay? It goes from yeah. high school where you play for fun to when you're in college and someone's paying your scholarship and they make it known that they're paying for you to go to school. It feels more like a job. And you can't do the normal things that someone would do sure. to just stress relief and just blow steam into, you know, to, to escape from everything and go to a movie or – even you know, well, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard, and it's tough. And I just don't know, you know. So what's what's the solution? So especially this is- we talk about some of these players in minor sports, like in tennis, for example. A lot of these athletes are from different countries. So and we also I mean, got to remember they're on these uh, the smaller non revenue sports too. Yeah, not all these kids are on full scholarship. No, but I'm and just well, that that even that makes it even tougher. Right, right. Because it's, there's. If, like, for example, there's not a whole lot of college soccer players on, on full school. Right. They got 20, 24 kids on a soccer team, would you say? Yeah, something like that. I think they got, like, around 10 scholarships for the entire team for right. them to split up. Right. So, you uh, – and that's mandated by the NCAA. So, you could be on a, on a soccer scholarship like my cousin is up at Lafayette. Right. And I think he gets half or half something like that. Lafayette is, like, $50,000 a year to go to. Yeah. So so he's paying basically full for a normal college cause, exactly, and then yeah. and he's not allowed to have a job. <laughs> That's terrible. Espe- yeah, and you and some of these players are from out of country, and so <laughs> what are they going to do for help? You know, their families are far away, and they can't get any help anyway. And I'm, let me just be perfectly clear: I'm not saying that we should pay our college athletes. Right. I'm just saying that there's a problem. Okay. So there's an obvious problem that exists. Sure. Right now, that that it's got to be addressed in some way. So how do you do it? Okay. I mean, do you do you let these kids go get a job? I don't think you can do that, right? They don't really have time to get a job. They don't have time to get a job. But if you let kids go get a job, there's going to be certain schools that, to be competitive, that they'll find alumni that will give sure forty thousand a year dollar a year jobs for a kid to sit there and do nothing <laughs> when you're the elite. The elite athlete, right? Sure. So you can't and really do that because that's going to breed corruption. I mean, I, yeah. there's no doubt about it. They are saying we talked about this, and uh, John Curry, who's the athletic director at K State, talked about this: is that they're doing a health food thing because otherwise, you know, they're buying a lot of these athletes are buying the cheapest food, which is not good for an athletic body. They're going to McDonald's buying this junk, and so now at least 
they're going to be able to give the athletes some decent food. Yeah, which is going to be helpful. That does help for sure. The other option, of course, that's been thrown out there is to give these kids a stipend. You know, like a living expenses stipend that they can have, just some thermal cash. They what you've heard anywhere up to five thousand dollars that you get. I think that what's tough with that is that you can't just do that for football and basketball players. No, you, you got to do it for you all the sports. You got to do it for everyone. So let's just say, would you say the normal college athletic program has a thousand athletes? Do you think that's probably about? I think that's pretty close. That's probably pretty. Yeah, I mean, because I'm thinking at K State, there's 16 sports that are actual non-intramural sports. I think, including men's and women's, and so. So a thousand oof. might be a little high. It might be a little high, but you got a hundred football players. Let's say I know 85 football scholarships is where you're at. Yeah. Uh, you got uh, 26 total players in, in basketball when you take men and women because there's 13 on a team. Right. All right. So let's just say let's let's put the number closer to 500. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, that's twenty five thousand dollars. No, if you give five thousand, is that what you said? Yeah, but that would be you only had five for athletes. It would be twenty five. Oh, you're right. Sorry. It's two point five million dollars. You're right. Sorry, I was thinking. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's I who that's whew, that's hard to that'd be hard to do. And uh, you know, we have two universities here locally that could do that. If they needed to pay all their athletes, that they could do that and still make a profit. Our college athletic programs, though, are an, they're basically an anomaly. Most college programs couldn't even get close. No, no. I mean, if especially if some Eastern of the smaller Kentucky schools, University, yeah, yeah, or Murray State had to shell out two and a half million dollars, they would close the, They would start closing down some of the programs. They would have to. Yeah, and the opportunities would go away, and so we don't want that either. I mean, it's it's not feasible for that to happen. It's not feasible for the NCAA to kick in that much money because. You know they can't if for but, them to for them to yeah. subsidize that. The food thing does help though. If they give the athletes healthy food, that's at least okay. You know. But you just got out of college, right? Did you ever want to just go do something on the weekends? Of course. You you couldn't do that. I mean, this is to me that's the bigger that's the bigger issue. I mean, sometimes you can like a non-game weekend. You know. No, but if I'm talking you about like, you don't have the money to go do something. Right. Yeah. I mean. That's that's entirely possible, but at least, you know, at least you know you don't have to pay tuition, which is helpful, and you get food. I mean, you might have some money. You never know. Even to the point where we've had the situation where a kid has had a family member die and can't afford to go home for the funeral or something else like that. Yeah, and, and there's there's nothing their coaches can do about nothing that. Nothing they can do, and they do it and they get in trouble. Yeah, I mean the system the system's got a problem. Uh, there's a there's a definite problem there. Well, yeah. I mean, you – you if you – and the thing is, too, if you said, okay, you can make money off of autographs and commercials and stuff like that, what I, happens to the equestrian players or the tennis players? Well, and, I mean, again, but that also breeds the, you know, Kentucky would have someone who could pay a guy like Julius Randle $150,000. Right, year. exactly. So, which would be a total unfair advantage. And so, yeah, I don't feel like you can do that because so you got these are the cases we got going on right now. You got the Ed O'Bannon case going on with about right. the video game likeness and you know what that happens there. And the NCAA, I think, pretty much knows they're going to lose that case in the courts, but then they're hoping that they can win the appeals. Yeah, you've got the Northwestern stuff going on, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another one. So, but anyway, you got all these cases that are kind of. Loosely attacking the NCAA, but I think all these lawyers are kind of working together 
and they know that the NCAA is vulnerable right now. And, you know, things are going to change. Things are going to be different. I just don't know what it's going to look like. Right. I don't know how. Well, what decision are you going to make that's going to justify that decision? Yes, exactly. But, I mean, it, it's not just as simple as make the decision. You've got to – there has to be a feasible plan to, to carry the decision out. And that's what's going to be really difficult to see. I just – I don't know what happens. Something's right. going to have to happen. You know, you want uh, – Yes, a lot of these kids are getting a, a huge advantage by getting a college education and by mm -hmm. being able to go to do that. And then, of course, you hear about the Northwestern case where the kid's told he can't take certain classes because they want him to, you know, have a certain GPA. And so he's losing the whole point of getting a free ride. It, if you can't pick classes that you want to pick to take, then that's kind of well, a bummer. You know, deal. that's the other thing. I mean, there's and there be other times where it's like a coach would tell them that the kid can't take a certain class because uh, that's when they're going to practice. Yeah, you know, I mean, when they're paying your and let, let's get this also straight, a full scholarship from the athletic department is the athletic department paying your way. It's not a free. It's not like the college just writes that off. You know, someone is paying. The athletic department has to pay that tuition. Sure. To the university, it's not like they are just. Uh, uh, sitting around and and the university says, oh, this kid can go here for free. No, the athletic department has to pay that education. Mm -hmm. So when you got someone like that paying your way, you you know, and they tell you you can't take a class like that. Yeah, I mean that's where it becomes like a job, except you can't do except the normal weekend things that most the, people do because you don't have any money. The the problem is that that shouldn't be happening. They should be allowed to take whatever classes that they, they need to absolutely take. Absolutely should. But and the other thing people don't realize is that the university and their athletic department are two totally separate different entities. Right. You know? I, I, and yeah. the athletic department's more of a business oh, than absolutely. the university is. Absolutely. And when people I mean, the athletic department gets a lot more money usually than the than the school just because the alumni give to that athletic department. That's where a lot of the money goes. Like I did sales for K State. So you call people and talk to them about giving money or you you know you sit sit down theoretically with them and talk to them and a lot of people are like oh I'm already giving to the athletic department and you try to explain to them that the it's athletic different. department is not the school right. the athletic department is like a different thing and you're like yes we like that you're giving to the athletic department but we'd like you to give back to you know your major which is making a lot less money you know to hire better teachers and that sort of thing. And to so. be fair too, when the athletic departments turn a profit like the University of Kentucky and the University of Louisville do, they give back to the university. I mean, they, you know, the the, the athletics does if they are in a case to, to do so, they they do take care of the university. So, this would not increase tuition. None of that stuff would happen. They're separate entities and people have got to understand right. that. So, right. all right, we're way late for a break. Sorry about that. No, it's all right. We got a good discussion going on. Uh, we will be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brand J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, this is the Manhattan's Kiss and Say Goodbye. 
sure I've heard this song before, but it's not one that's really ringing up with me. The number one song this date in 1976. Also in 1976, two things happened here, JT, in 1976. Number one, Atlanta Braves, Hank Aaron. Actually, I don't even know if he was with the Atlanta Braves at that point. He might have been with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, I know he, he did a little bit with the Milwaukee Brewers towards the end of his career. Anyway, the final home run hit in Hank Aaron's career happened this date in 1976. Uh, home run number 755. Also, Nadia Kamenchi. Uh, Kamichi had her uh, had the first ever perfect ten score in gymnastics history. So there you go. Mm. A couple of things that happened. Another thing that's uh, going on right now is the uh, all the stuff that's kind of all the 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 LeBron stuff happened. All the dominoes are starting to fall. And this time last week during our show, the Cavaliers came out and said that they were not going to trade Andrew Wiggins. To, for two Tim, the Timberwolves for Kevin Love, right? That Andrew Wiggins was off the table, and I thought uh, that that was a very smart decision. Yeah, because the the uh, the Cavs got other things that they could trade the Wolves to make the deal worth it, and not have to jeopardize losing a guy that could be. And then I've heard two people say this, and I think this is the perfect analogy. By the way, could be LeBron's Scottie Pippen, because that's exactly what Andrew Wiggins could be. Mm. He could be. The the LeBron's version of Scottie Pippen. When you consider how good of a defender he is, I mean, he's going to be one of the elite defenders in the NBA uh, right off the bat. Mm. And coming into it, I I honestly believe that these guys that are picked in the top five, their NBA career is so much predicated on what the team's like during those first couple years and if they can be successful or not. Sure. And... Uh, you know, it, it is a team game, and no matter how good you are, it's not like you can just completely – there's a few guys who can, but it's not like you can just overcome your situation. You put LeBron in a situation where he gets to mentor a young Andrew Wiggins, and I think you're setting Andrew Wiggins up for a Hall of Fame career. Could very well be. We'll have to see. And then, of course, you got Kyrie Irving on that team, who's also very good. Who I saw in the airport last night. I saw Kyrie. You're just seeing everybody. I was way. with Kyrie Irving last night in the Atlanta airport. Uh, he was kind of, he had his, uh, like, uh, he was kind of crunched over in, in the, you know, in the little uh, waiting area seats and had his hood over and he was watching game film. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you got Kyrie Irving's the best point guard by far that LeBron's ever pay, played with, right? Yeah. You put together a defensive stopper and a guy who could develop him into a superstar at the two guard in Andrew Wiggins. Sure. That is incredible length. Now you just need to get a forward. Well, you got tons of guys at that spot. I mean, Tristan Thomas. Yeah. I mean, you got guys. You got young guys. Anthony Bennett. You got young guys that can develop into uh, some got, guys that are already there, and you've got the pieces. I. This is the conversation I was having with some of the college coaches um, up there. There's a lot of the college coaches that feel like the the Cavaliers roster is better than the Heat's roster. With LeBron James. With LeBron James. Like, LeBron chose the better roster. If you take sure. LeBron off both teams and just look at him, Kyrie – if you were looking, would you rather have LeBron and Kyrie Irving or LeBron and Dwayne Wade LeBron, right now? LeBron and Kyrie Irving. No question. So, yeah. the two best players – Kyrie Irving out of the Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving, Chris Bosh things, Kyrie Irving the best out of that, of that trio? Oh, yeah. I would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean – 
Dwayne Wade in his prime? No, but I mean, you know, right now, yes. Dwayne Wade looked, and we mentioned this before, looked very old in this series versus the Heat. He just wasn't mentally, I don't think, or physically there. And I think Kyrie Irving with LeBron James and, of course, Andrew Wiggins, that's going to be one team that's going to put up a lot of points every night. Having LeBron James there is the best thing for best thing possible for those young players. Yep. And you're going to see a completely different Anthony Bennett. You know, an Anthony Bennett. Anthony, Anthony Bennett's the perfect situation. Anthony Bennett as a first-year player did not play very well as a Cav because no. he was not ready to be on a team where he had to be the man. He's not a showcase-type NBA player right off the bat. I mean, may, maybe he could be in four or five years – but yep. right, right now he was not he was not designed to be that guy. Well, and, it's it's tough to be a rookie and be the showcase. Right, that's tough. Yeah, but now where you got Anthony Bennett and he could be the fourth or fifth best contributor and develop into a good player, you're, you're going to see that that pressure take off and he's going to go to work. I mean, you, you, when you got guys like that and you got guys like uh, Tristan Thomas who out from Texas who six nine and just athletic freak, I you got some guys there that can really. Uh, can really play, yeah. and 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 Vergeau at the center. I mean, I think you know that's Vergeau a perfect. Could be good, yeah. That's the perfect kind of center for those for that team. You got guys like Dion Waiters. If you had Dion Waiters coming off the bench, I mean, that's a guy who puts up some serious numbers. Yeah, I, I, just, I mean, they're already in contention. Yeah, they just got to get a guy who can shoot the ball. A bit right. Better. So the question is, just out of curiosity. What I mean, we've talked about this, but since we're we're in Indiana, obviously, what do the Pacers? They lost Stevenson. Stevenson went to the Hornets. Well, they, I don't think they really wanted him back. Well, I, Paul George wanted him back. Yeah. I think he should have stayed. I like Stevenson. I know people hate Stevenson, but I like Stevenson just because he will do anything to win the game. He's a he's a hard nosed player, and he yeah. you know he does run his math a little bit, but he's still he's still a really he plays good, hard, really yeah. good player. I mean, um, I'd I'd say give up Hibbert and keep Stevenson, but you know that's me. But anyway, what do the Pacers need to do? They've been to the East Championship, you know, for a little bit here. What do they need to do to push the step? I mean, now would be – this would be the year to do it because, you know, LeBron's team is a little bit young. The Heat have kind of, you know, they don't have the team that they did before. Well, I mean, I think they're they're searching for the same thing. They need a true point guard. Yeah. So, do, I mean, we talked about possibly getting Rondo. Do you think that they would have something to trade for Rondo? Well, I mean, I think the problem there is now that Rondo is, uh, you know, again, what's what's Rondo's reputation? Do people, do guys want to play with Rondo? Well, I mean, they certainly didn't mind playing with Stevenson, the Pacers players, it seemed like, and he's the same type of. Well, I, I mean, again, I don't know, I don't know what kind of teammate. I think that's the difference. You know, you can be abrasive and still be a good teammate, and right. you can be abrasive and be a jerk of a teammate. So right, it's like, right. what kind? of – in some ways, I don't know. It seems would like would the Pacers when, be better off going out and, and signing a guy like Eric Bledsoe? It seems like Le, uh, Rondo. I don't know he, his personal life. He seems like he's a good guy. You know, he does all these camps, and he took time right after the NBA championship to go do that instead of celebrating and stuff like that to help the kids. It seems like personally, he's a good guy. Obviously, I'm just know. telling you what his reputation is. Sure, I understand. So I'm, I don't know the guy personally. I've I've only like met him met him like once or twice. Yeah, and so I mean, I mean, did he? Did, did you have a good impression? He's, he's on quiet. Me? I mean, he's just quiet and he's kind of to himself. But I mean, yeah. I've heard overall lots of stories and lots of things that make you think he's not a great teammate. Yeah. So they and again and Rondo uh, in no no way shape or form is he old, but he's also you know he's probably 
on the tail. He's at the middle to the tail end of his career. That's why, it, you know, you have a guy like Eric Bledsoe who's out there, who's a restricted yep. free agent, you know? Right. He's a guy to me that you can go out and get. Eric Bledsoe? Yeah. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is uh, on the verge of becoming uh, an NBA an NBA star. Yeah. He's uh, certainly played fairly decently for the for the Suns. For the Suns. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could go out and get him. But, I mean, like this would be the year for the Pacers to try to make a run because Miami is not Miami anymore. The Cavs may take a little bit of time to develop maybe. They're probably two or three years away. Yeah. The so, Cavs are. So, I mean, you know, this could be the, the – the year to go grab that thing. Of course, they lose Stevenson. Who did they? Who did they get for Stevenson? Did he just? That was a free agent. Free agent, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I was just. Yeah, and of course, Paul George is not a guy who can win it for you in critical moments. We saw that against the Heat. He just kind of wasn't. You know, I don't know. He's not the man when it comes to critical moments. He needs someone who can. And neither is Roy Hibbert. Roy Hibbert. Well, oh most my big, goodness. Most big guys aren't. I mean. It's Paul George and I mean, George Hill, and you need to yeah. get somebody around there that can uh, exemplify them and kind of lift them up and make them really good players. Yeah. Uh, Bledsoe right now is considered by most the best available free agent left in the market. Yeah. And uh, I think that that would be a guy that the the Pacers need to take a serious look at. Uh, I'm not even sure really if they're in the contention for him. Uh, but, I mean, this is a guy who averaged almost 18 points a game last year. Um, and – I think it could be a, a complete and total stud for the Pacers. I mean, I, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it'll be the the Bulls will probably be the best team in the East next year, but it'll be uh, that that number two is kind of up for grabs. You know, I expect for it to be the Cavs, but I'm you know not for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the Pacers are kind of getting tired of their team not quite making it. I mean they're close. Yep, and they might be blowing it up and starting over. All right, well we're at the end of the first hour. Uh, we will be. Back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz is Mike and JT, and uh, we'll be right back for the second hour of the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Many months have passed us by. I'm going to miss you. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, Mike Indolfo, JT, back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Coming into a little Billy Joel. This was the number one song right. in 1980. It's still rock and roll to me, a Billy Joel love classic. That song. It's a classic. It is. And... Uh, this date in sports history in 1980, the Moscow Olympics, probably more of the, at least the, uh, well, not the start, because the 72 Olympics was probably the start of it, or actually even going back to the Berlin Olympics with Jesse Owens, but showing the, the ties, I guess, between uh, our political world and athletics, uh, how it happens at the Olympics. The, the United States decided to boycott the 1980 Olympics, and... Uh, uh, mainly because it was in Moscow, and uh, that was back in the time, man. The Cold War, and you had the right. the '72 Olympics, you know, where you know you had the the hostage situation, and and the and where the the Israelis were were murdered, murdered, and you had the uh, 
You had the U.S. getting robbed in basketball in 72 when they let you know Russia basically replay the same play like four or five times until they until they won. Uh, That's brutal. Yeah, I mean, in, in, and you still you still see it a little bit today. But I mean, the Olympics is that platform where politics and Olympics or politics and sport kind of kind of come together. Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, we all see what it means to play for your country with this last World Cup and right. the interest that we had uh, in the United States soccer program. Um, again, I feel like the World Cup wrapping up was about the World Cup. It had nothing to do with popular soccer. No. Everything to do with the popularity of the World Cup. Two totally different things. Exactly. So that's what's uh, that was what going on there. We got the British Open going on right now. You follow major golf championships? Not really. You got to follow this one though, because they're getting ready. These guys are I know, getting ready. I'm, to try, I'm trying to watch it now because we're gonna have to cover it next month. But I mean, these uh, we were and plus there's uh, there's two Italians in the top ten, so it's always a good thing. You know, if if Tiger Woods gets to come to Louisville, that would be exciting for me. And you know what? It's looking like that's a pretty good possibility. I was I was skeptical. I was negative, and I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. I still feel like it's going to figure out to figure what happens in the next two days. The weather in Scotland today is going to be brutal. Now, the the weather in the first round was really nice. It was like totally atypical, like high seventies, low eighties. There right. wasn't a whole lot of wind. Tiger went out and shot a, a, a minus three. Had a really good day. Right. Tiger's game is not really set up for British Open golf because you have to have very good control over your drives. Mm-hmm. And Tiger's a long hitter, but he sprays it everywhere, you know. Yeah. And, and if you hit, have you seen the rough of these these courses? Of some of them, yeah. The British Open is is one of the worst, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean that's the whole idea. The British Open, the grasses. I mean, you you hit in the rough and you're in knee high grass. And my whole thing is there's like you know now that the weather's starting to to become terrible today is going to be awful thunderstorms and all kinds of stuff you're going to see uh tough playing conditions tiger probably not hitting the fairway as often as he has been and you're going to see him having to hit out of that grass and it's real easy to throw your back out or wrench your back when you're trying to power something through the grass like that and i just uh i don't know i you know i'm still hoping that he doesn't re-injure himself. I think that's a possibility of what could happen here in the British. He's uh, After his minus three day, he's now plus one uh, here in the in the third round of the British Open. Uh, they are letting people hit off the uh, – because they're trying to get it in today before the rain starts. They're, you know, they're, they start one group off the, the number one tee and one group off the 10 tee, and they're trying to get everybody on the course as fast as they can so that they can uh, they can wrap up the third round of the British Open. Right now, Rory McIlroy, your leader? Yeah. I think the story tends to be more in the British Open is how the leader folds on the last day. We got the historic epic fail of Vanderveld 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love watching the British Open is because it almost always creates drama. Yeah, that's that's a good point, you know. I mean, I followed it a little bit, like the bigger ones, like the U.S. and the British one a little bit, but, you know, um, not as big as a golf fan as you, for sure. I'm not really a golf fan. I think I'm – again, I'm not really – I wouldn't consider myself a golf fan. I, I would just consider myself – I do think that the majors tend to breed those last, you know, six holes of a major. There's a lot of just interesting things that happen. Yeah. You know? I was uh, – somewhat uh exciting last year in the senior p 
PGA thing, a guy from Kentucky ended up winning. The senior PGA. Was it Kenny Perry? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was exciting because he came back and won on the last day. He was down well, he was down pretty good in the first two uh, days or whatever and then came back and ended up winning. So that was kind of exciting. Yeah, and uh, you just get the situation where you got a guy who is basically out there by himself. And he know you know he feels the pressure of the situation. Yeah, you don't want to come out with a lead in the first two days. And you're gonna see a guy either perform under pressure or fail under pressure. Yeah. And you either get some incredible golf moments or you get some epic fails that ha- always occur in these <laughs> events. And so yeah. either one of them is it's it's for a viewer, it's fun to watch. For the casual viewer, that's what you watch for. You watch for the incredible moments or the epic fails. Is that true? That's that's a good point, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, uh, that's... And usually you get both. Like last year with you talk about Kenny Perry, that was an epic come from behind, but the guy had like, I can't remember who he overtook, but the guy had like the best second round ever in a senior PGA, and then he he just completely blew the, you know, the third day. And that's, you know, and that was the thing, uh, you know, to Rory McIlroy's credit, that was the thing, I guess, that uh, has been the big discussion with him is... He's come out and he's had these great first days, these great Thursdays, but these the Fridays in these in these tournaments he's been terrible, and uh, for him to be able to have a, a good Friday, maybe he just wasn't eating meat on Friday. Maybe, <laughs> okay, uh, you know, for him to have a, a good Friday now he's thirteen under for a British Open. Yeah, is a that's a big number, right? I mean that's a real big number. So. Um, it's looking to me like he's putting himself in a position where he could get his third major. Uh, a 66 is what Rory shot on his on that Friday round, which is just incredible. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's just, it's just fantastic. So Rory's gonna have a chance to win the major, and of course, being a guy from that area, that this is his big tournament. This is the one he wants to win. It's it's the one that's really kind of. Important to him. So, yeah. let's go uh, into a little baseball talk, a little more baseball talk. Uh, we're halfway through the baseball season. Right. Now we got to figure out, we talked a little bit about the American League West and the National League Central. Let's let's go into those other divisions and kind of figure out, you know, where, uh, what's going to happen, I guess, as we get closer to the, Most the of the divisions are pretty predictable outside those ones, you'd think. I mean, you talk about the AL Central, who's going to, Detroit Tigers have been the favorite forever, and you don't think that uh, anybody is going to upstage them. I mean, most of the teams in that division are pretty weak except for Detroit. Yeah, that's the one division, though, where I feel like a story could develop. Like, I feel like you could get a – I mean, you did have the Royals on that 10-game win streak, but then they really fell apart after that. So you would just wonder, like, if if there's a group – a team in that group, like, you know, the the Indians are – right there, uh, uh, but they're six and a half games back. They're in second, tied with the Royals for six and a half games back behind Detroit. Detroit's been so – Detroit's either had massive runs or just they've also gone on these massive losing streaks. Right. You know, I could see potentially uh, – I would say more so Kansas City than Cleveland making a run at that. Yeah. But I, well, you know, I think it's possible. Kansas City has the talent. They have a lot of young players, but uh, it's trying to develop those young players. Like I said, they did go on that 10-game win streak, so – Theoretically, it would be possible if Detroit went on a losing streak, Kansas City went on a win streak. But you also got uh, 
both those teams, Kansas City and Cleveland, are only two and a half games outside the wild card. Right. So you know they're going to they're playing at least for the wild card spot. Right. And to me, well, when you got two teams like that that are battling for the wild card spot, and Detroit's got a pretty decent lead where they could get a little complacent. Right. It could breed a situation where that sure could come into play. And the Royals haven't been to the playoffs in forever. They barely missed last year. They were within a few games of getting to a wild card spot, that number two uh, spot, and they missed it. And so this year they're pretty hungry. We'll see if they can at least get that. That would be an interesting story after uh, they're the only team, I believe, to win a World Series and the next year not even make the playoffs. Well, I'm, I'm sure that's happened several times. I'm pretty sure. I heard, I heard that. when I, I know the Red Sox did it recently. Well, they might do it this year, yeah. But I, well, mean, I mean, they've done it before. They did it. Um, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I will have to go check. I mean, but I think that actually – in baseball, that probably happens more times than other sports because yeah. there's only six playoff spots for the whole thing. Right. Most Usually those teams, though, are playoff contention teams, even if they don't make the World Generally, Series. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the Royals, my point is, the Royals have not been to the playoffs in I don't know how many years. It's been probably oh, – It's been a long time. I mean, we're going back <sighs> to the George Brett days for yeah. sure. So. It's been since the 90s. I'm pretty sure that they have been back to the playoffs. Anyway, so that, that – that, though, like I said, looks to be Detroit. I mean, they could make a run. It could be Detroit. Again, you still got Kansas City and Cleveland in the in the contention for the wild card spot. Um, and, of course, we're going to – let's finish up the American League before we get to the National League wild card spot. But the uh, the American League East, then, is the other division we have not right. talked about. Baltimore is in such a great position right now. Yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay, done with their injuries. Yeah. Boston's just done. Done. Toronto maybe could make a run. The Yankees are pretty much done, too. The Yankees have had – They have a shot. The Yankees are interesting because the Yankees, you know, have had their pitching woes as far as, like, their, their injuries in the, in, the, in the rotation. Yeah. And so their starting pitchers are, are you know, are, are banged up. So they, they got, a, like, a totally different staff right now than they started the year. The f- interesting thing about the Yankees is how many home games they have left uh, to go. I mean – you, what do you get? It's, you get 81 home games, right? Yeah. So they've only played, uh, to this point, uh, 42 home games. Well, that's half. That's but we're way over halfway through the season. Yeah. Okay? So they have 39 home games left. And uh, out of, uh, uh, what is it? Let's see. We're at, we're at game 92. So you've got 60 games left to go in the or, – so I'm almost, sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. 70 games? Is that right? Yeah, seventy games left to go, and thirty nine of them are at home. So they they have more home games than yeah, away games. Yeah, they have a lot. Yeah. Now, and the Yankees, they're they're they usually find a way to make it to the playoffs. I mean, it's the Yankees. generally. I mean, the Yankees do do pretty good, but they're right there tied too. They're tied with Kansas City and Cleveland with that same record, two right. and a half games outside of that wild card spot. But Baltimore is in an incredible spot here. You don't. I'm I'm saying though, the Yankees could make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to win that division. It's either going to be the Blue Jays with. Incarnacion and Batista, or the Orioles, who I think are going to win because they have Cruz, they have Macchiato, Davis. They have Davis. I mean, they just have all those hitters on that lineup who can produce. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, you know, again, I would, I would predict the Orioles and the and the Tigers to hold on. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna think that Oakland holds on into the West. The Angels yeah. obviously are going to get one of the wild card spots. How, how would I'm you gonna, like to I, be over a 60 percent winning percentage? And to finish second in your division, those those yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, 
You know, I'm going to say I think that the Royals are going to get the last wild card spot. That's going to be my prediction. So then they're going to bypass Seattle. So here's what you got. Seattle yeah. right now is in control of that wild card spot. So you're going right. to be in a situation like the National League Central last year where the American League West could have three teams in the playoffs. Um, you got the, the, the Seattle's in control of that last wild right. card spot right now. Mm-hmm. You have right now four teams – Sitting two and a half games back of that wild card spot. That's intense. That's that's it. Could well, be intense. Well, you got the uh, the and the White Sox are you know five and a half back. So you got the well, and then of course we know Adam Dunn's going to hit a lot of home runs and make them win the division. I'm kidding, but I would uh, say the White Sox are done. Though, I'm but. just kidding, but anyway. So I just wanted to see how you react no, to no, the no, Adam no. Dunn thing. So anyway, so but you got yeah, you got the Royals. You mentioned the White Sox have an outside chance. You got the Mariners, the Indians, and then the Blue Jays, right? Uh, well, the Blue Jays are two and a half games back too. So you got the 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 Yankees, the Blue Jays, the the uh, the Indians, and the Royals all two and a half games back, and they got a they they will have a chance to uh, to to make that run. So you're going to have a very competitive uh, race for yeah. that last wild card spot. That makes it fun to yeah. me. Yeah, that's going to be an awesome awesome race, like it was in the NL last year. Right. And I think I'm I'm going to I'm going to go with the Royals. I mean, it could be anybody. So you got. Uh, I got the same thing you had, except the Royals making the second spot. I don't know who you. I don't. I haven't picked anybody. I, you know, I, I would like to see the Royals do it. I, um, but I'm going to go with the Yankees because I think the Yankees. That I want Jeter. His last yeah, year. You're going to go with the Yankees win. That's what so, I think. Yeah. The Jeter, right. just for Jeter though. Just I mean, for Jeter. I don't really like the Yankees. I'd I like don't to see like, Jeter make. I don't it. like the Yankees. I do like Derek Jeter. Who can't like Derek Jeter? What an incredible moment yeah. seeing him in the. Uh, uh, he had, he he got two hits. Yeah, he played played great. I mean, if uh, Trout doesn't go out and play the way he does, I mean, Jeter could make a case for him to be MVP. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, has that incredible introduction where they actually had the Yankee, Yankees uh, announcer announce him at uh, at Minnesota. He gets up there, puts a double uh, into right field. Uh, yeah. In the and first thing, of- though, he kind of got screwed. In the, in the, in the, and this took a lot of guts by this umpire to call this guy safe. He made an incredible diving stop and throw to first base uh, to start the game. And I thought the replay showed that the guy was out. Yeah. Uh, they didn't go to replay, but, you know, you got you know the umpire called the guy safe, which was uh, uh, pretty amazing. It was it was a bang-bang play for sure. And, but Jeter still showing that he could get it done. So, all right, yeah. we're going uh, we're gonna to go to a break. We're going to come back on the other side of the break. Carolina's on the line, so we'll get to Carolina, Steve. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the National League here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brian J. Lawrence. Listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. I don't hear anything. We're back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm assuming that right now I think my headphones went out. I, uh, that we had Glenn Medeiros uh, it's, and Bobby Brown. So she ain't worth it on uh, the – oh, there we go. That's our that's our intro song. That was the number one hit 
in uh, 1990, this date in sports history in 1990, we had uh, the Reds won the national championship. Well, not in this date in 1990. Well, but there in was there was Reds news in 1990. Well, they did win the whole thing. They did win in 1990, but this is the date where Pete Rose was sentenced to Ooh. five years for his tax evasion in prison. So, uh, not a great story for the Reds in 1990, <laughs> but that's. That's what happened here at this date. In have, you, have you seen those uh, Reds T-shirts that said, "I'm with uh, Pete, two hundred dollars on the Reds or whatever"? Yeah. Well, I know this. The, my whole thing with Pete Rose is that you, he always bet on the Reds. Right. He did nothing to affect the outcome of the game, and it, I know it was it was posted or not debated on baseball, but when you got these guys who are taking steroids and directly changing the outcomes of all games, to me. What they did is much worse than what Pete Rose did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And luckily, though, we had the news this week that Pete Rose, uh, with the All-Star game coming to Cincinnati, is going to be able to be involved in the All-Star game festivities and will be able to be at the All-Star game, which is great news. So uh, that Pete Rose, because he should be. He should be a part of it, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. But he's too proud to apologize. He's I mean, Pete he Rose. did some, he did something wrong, and I think that's well, he's got to own up to that. He to does have degree. to own up, but it it takes a lot of humility to be one of the greatest players in baseball and apologize. Yeah, for something. I mean, number one in hits all time. I mean, that's hard to do. We're yeah. going. Uh, we're going to go to the lines right now because we got a we got a guy who's a baseball fan on there. He's also a NASCAR fan. Carolina, Steve. Carolina, how's it going? Well, fir- first of all, I thoroughly disagree with y'all on the Pete Rose. There is a sign in every minor league and major league clubhouse that says gambling will lead to lifetime suspension. He gambled. There was nothing in there at the time about steroids. As a matter of fact, if it weren't for steroids, baseball might be dead right now because after the strike and they came back, Socha and McGuire brought the people back to baseball with the whole run trace. So I think what Rose did was far worse than any of these people. Man, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I agree with what you said about it. I know that it's posted in every locker room that if what gambling does. I don't, And I do agree that steroids help bring baseball back, but also know that when you look at the integrity of the sport, I feel like what Pete Rose did is not nearly as bad as what the – unless they're going to just say – and, and there's some people that want this. There's some people that say, hey, just make steroids legal. Let these guys take steroids. If they want to ruin their health and their bodies to give us a better performance, that's great. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what yeah. else is going on there? Hey, Carolina, I was, hanging out with, uh, I was hanging out with Roy Williams yesterday. I don't know. I hadn't heard about that or anything, but I did want to talk about baseball. All right. I believe the New York Yankees are going to do it and make it into the playoffs. Wild card or division champ? Interesting statistic. Interesting statistic I heard on the baseball channel this morning uh, is that uh, the Yankees, their starters are hurt, but the but the rear end of their pitching staff, their closer and setup man, have been doing super. I believe their closer has thirty saves now. He's been killing it. And he, and their they, setup they were... man was. They they were comparing the him to Walter Chapman. The, as far as his the, numbers uh, goes. Yeah, but uh, I just happen to like him. They got a guy on their bench that has been my all-time favorite hitter ever since he came into the major leagues. And he probably, if, uh, if you add his hits together, 
would come close to breaking Rose's record, and that would be Suzuki. Ichiro. Mm, yeah, yeah, Ichiro's very good. He's kind of old right now, though. I love watching him hit. You know, you're exactly right. He's such a good situational hitter, and he can pretty much place the ball wherever he wants it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, could y'all look, kind of look up for me and see how many in the major leagues he's ahead? Uh, he's close to 3,000. I'd like to see him get 3,000 uh, hits in the uh, major leagues. I know mm-hmm. he had uh, like 10 straight 200 hit seasons. Yeah, he's, yeah. I'm going to pull it up for you right now. And everything. Yeah. So uh, back to Mike's question while he's looking that up for you. Uh, he's, he's at 2,802 hits, so he's 198 hits away from 3,000. He could Thank get it. You. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, I love watching Ichiro Suzuki when he played for the Mariners growing up. Uh, great hitter. But uh, I can't believe you just said you watched him growing up. So that uh, just tells me how old I am. Anyway, <laughs> do, you Come think, on. do you think the the Yankees are going to win the division or get the wild card? I think it's a wild card. I kind of like them and everything. Before I get off, I've got a trivia question for you about uh, baseball. All right. It involves NASCAR, too. All right. The manager of the Kansas City Royals, Dan Yost, used to be a coach for the Atlanta Braves. All right. Why does he wear number three? For Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> That's correct. He was he was a deer hunting buddy of Dale Earnhardt's. Dale Earnhardt's favorite professional baseball team, or professional sports team, was the Atlanta Braves, and he used to go down there. About four or five of the Braves would come to Kannapolis and go hunting with him. And he is uh, – that just shows how sports can go across. And uh, I've heard Yost on NASCAR shows. He actually worked when baseball was over. He went mm-hmm. to work in the pits giving uh, Earnhardt and them water during the thing. Well, I think it's going to be a great baseball World Series. I look for it to be the Dodgers and the Oakland A's, and I look for the Oakland A's to win it all. Y'all yeah. have a good time. Dennis Eckersley and Kirk Gibson rematch. And uh, <laughs> to uh, to Carolina's uh, point here, you put Ichiro's numbers together from Japan and the United States. Mm-hmm. He's at four thousand eighty hits. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Japan's kind of like the minor league system for Ichiro. Well, I mean, that's where he played professionally before he came over here. I right. mean, that, that's a that's it's probably a, I mean, that's definitely better than AAA baseball. I mean, I think uh, yeah, it's it's a step up. So I mean, it, he's got four thousand and eighty career hits. As a professional baseball player, so yeah. that's uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, you and know, he's, and he's forty each, years old. Ichiro kind of reminds me of how Ty Cobb played. He wasn't a real power hitter, but he could, like you said, place the ball almost anywhere he wanted to. And since you mentioned that, I'll even go with a little Ty Cobb history right here. It was uh, on this day in sports in uh, in tw- 1927. We don't have a song for 1927. <laughs> that Ty Cobb got his four thousandth hit. Wow! So there you go. We got four thousandth uh, hit trivia all over the place. Uh, we're going to go to the National League now. All right. Mm. Uh, and I, I agree. I, first off. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm curious to know if Chipper Jones went on that hunting trip. Uh, Chipper Jones, I know, loves hunting. So, oh. anyway, <laughs> Maybe, go you know, ahead. If he was with the Braves. Yeah. The, uh, the, I, I love the fact that there's two wild cards now just mm. because for the same fact that we have, you know, we're more than halfway through the, the, through baseball and you basically have in the American League alone. We talked about the wild card situation, where you've got uh, what we what did we say? One, two, three, four, six teams playing for those two wild card spots right now. Yeah. And so you're looking at nine teams that are like legitimately have a chance at the playoffs right, right now. It makes baseball interesting, right? I mean, oh I, yeah. And then you've got 
you got the Twins and the White Sox and Boston and Tampa Bay. They're all within seven games of a wild card spot. So it's not like they're like eliminated, but they had to get on their horse to do it. Yeah, yeah. So the National League side. So we go to the National League, and, and and you got a great you got a great race in the West. Mm. You got a great race in the in the Central. Oh yeah. And you know you don't have a a, a bad race in the East. I don't think the I just don't oh, think yeah. the East is as good. I mean, the Nationals and the Braves are going to make for an interesting year. It's going to be who's better. So the Bra- yeah, they're you know just one game apart. The Braves are one game up right now on the on the uh, Nationals on the Nationals. They both have uh, uh, they're sitting at you know forty three losses, so they're tied in the loss column. Uh, the Braves just have two more games played than the the Nationals do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Dodgers and the and the Giants in a virtual tie, right? In the in the National League West, so you're gonna have those are real close. And then of course in the National League Central, you've got four teams within three and a half games of first place. Yeah, that's crazy. It is absolutely insane to think yep. that. And this is why I like the Reds. The Reds are twenty eight and seventeen against National League Central opponents this year, which is by far the most wins and tied for the fewest losses. So you're going to go with the Reds in the Central? I'm not saying – I think the Reds are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to at least make a wild card. But I, they've played it's gonna so be tough. well They've played so well against the Central, National League Central teams. Now the problem is they've played more National League Central games than everyone else. Mm. Uh, so they have fewer National League Central games to go. Right. And but, the other thing about it is that the, uh, the, the cool thing about the Reds right now – They've they've played 48 home games and 48 road games. The, so they're going to have a real balanced schedule yeah. to finish it out. The weird thing about the Reds is, and we talked about this before, they play really well against good teams, and they play really poorly against bad teams like the Padres. or like. So, I mean, they played really well against the Central because they're good teams, and then they play really poorly against, like, NL West teams or, you know, other teams that aren't so hot. Well, historically, the Reds have not have got, had those West Coast trips that have, like, just totally destroyed them. Yeah. And I, you know that that's not the case. I think when you look at a West Coast road trip for the Reds, you got to hope that they come out at five hundred or better. If they if they come out five hundred well, or better, then you're yeah. then it's a good road trip. No yeah. matter if that means that you won four against the Giants and lost three against the Padres. Yeah, I mean the overall road trip was good. No, but I mean the Giants were at the top of the division when they played them. They still so are. they destroyed the Giants and then the Padres. and then they they lost to one of the worst teams in baseball in the Padres. Well, the Padres are third in the National League West. Well, I know, but, but I'm just saying like the Padres are are not a good team. So. They're and they're uh, the Padres are a young team. You know what? You you're seeing a lot of the Padre guys. Being coveted, you know, Houston Street just uh, got traded today. To uh, was it to the Angels? Yeah. Uh, you got. I know that a lot of their position players are on the trading block because people want that young talent that the uh, that the Padres have. Uh, so uh, they're a young team. I mean, they're similar to the Cubs in that respect. You know, the Cubs, I think, are probably the worst team in baseball, but they obviously yeah. have some young talent that has a chance. Uh, you got. So here's where we are. Let's go the National League West. It's really down to the Dodgers and the Giants. I'm going with the Dodgers in the National League West. Yasiel Puig is fun to watch if it's not the All-Star game and or the Home Run Derby. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers have a lot of young talent. They have one of the best pitcher, I think, in baseball in Clayton Kershaw. Oh, no question about it. So I think they have both the hitting and the pitching in order to win that league. I think it's going to be close, though, between the Giants and the uh, Dodgers. I like the uh... – I like the Giants and the Dodgers race mainly because I love good pitching, okay? Yeah. And these are two of the best starting pitching staffs in baseball. You throw the Reds in there with them as well. And yeah. uh, I do like the Dodgers pitching a little bit more than I like the Giants pitching. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I would agree. I think the Dodgers are going to eat that one out. But both teams are going to make the playoffs. I don't I think agree. there's any I agree. question. Both teams are going to make the both playoffs. Both teams are going to be right there. And uh, question is, uh, the question is who's going to get that second wild card? Uh, that's Well, that's most likely going to be a team out of the National League Central, but yep. we'll get there yep. in a second. So you got Atlanta and Washington. What's going to happen? I think Atlanta is going to win it out. Atlanta's used to these situations, especially, you know, Atlanta's been to the playoffs so many times in the NL East. I think they just have that that experience of going to the playoffs, so I think they're going to be able to win the division against a young Nash, uh, Nats team that hasn't quite gotten there yet. I kind of like the Braves in the situation, too. You know, I, I don't think that the winner or the second-place team of this uh division is going to be in the wild card right but right now they are i mean right now the the uh, nationals are ahead of the reds and the parts uh for a national card spot uh the cardinals have control right now of that second wild card spot though as as it's uh as it looks right now yeah but i mean this again you're in the national league you got uh, you got two good races for uh for the actually you got three good races three amazing races just for the division champ yeah that's going to be insane. a lot the I mean, th- getting the, the division champ means a lot. You got when you look at the best record right now in the American in the National League is at a five fifty seven winning percentage. Yeah. So that's right now that's fifty four wins, fifty four and forty three for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. So and then you got the Reds that are only a uh, two and a half back, two and a half games back of that. The Pirates are three and a half games back of that. So within that best record. One of those, at least one of those teams is going to miss the playoffs, and that's going to be a shame because all those teams are. Well, really I mean, good. I'm just talking about overall in the National League as a whole yeah. for the best record in the National League. You've got eight teams that are right there, three and a half games neck and neck, yeah, of the best record in the National League. That's crazy. The overall best record in the National League. That that's is crazy. Freaking yeah. insane. That is ridiculous. And so you got you're every going to game matters really at this point for almost every team. In the in the National League Central, and then a lot of teams in the other divisions too. I mean, and all eight of these teams deserve to make the playoffs. And so yeah. now, then you got to come down and say, okay, who are the two teams that are not going to make right. the playoffs? And this right. is what's going to be tough for the Red, for the uh, for the Reds. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, three of these teams are not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm going to say that the who are you knocking out of the playoffs? I'm knocking out Washington. I agree. Get them out. I'm knocking out Pittsburgh. I agree with that too. And it's gonna really come down to. I think I'm gonna knock out St. Louis. I'm gonna go with knocking out the Brew Crew. They're gonna say Milwaukee's gonna totally fold. Yeah, now, they've been cold. They're three. You know, their last ten games. Uh, That's what I'm saying. I think that their run is done. I think that St. Louis. They always find a way to get into the playoffs. I think they will again. And I think the Reds have consistently, not consistently, but of late, gotten into the playoffs. And I think they're gonna find a way too. The Brewers though have the best record on the road in the National League. And I think if you can win road games, if you can win road series, that's kind of what the what it comes down to. Ironically, they're not that great at home. You know, they're yeah. one game above five hundred at home. Uh, they're <laughs> ten games above five hundred on the road. That's crazy. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Maybe they just don't don't like that pressure of playing at home. I don't know. So I don't the uh, it'll. I I feel like the Reds are in the driver's seat. The thing that's going to be interesting to me with the Reds is the Reds are going to have a lot of games left against the National League East. And. Yeah. You know that's when, good though. I mean, theoretically, it is good. Uh, I gotta see those those uh, those games are against. Uh, I know they got a series against the Braves, which right. obviously is you know that's gonna be. Is that in Cincinnati? Uh, I'll tell you here in a second. So they got to play the Marlins, which you know you would think that the Marlins are Marlins aren't one of the better teams in baseball. Right. Let's just say, right. and they got it's a four game stretch with the Marlins. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to, uh, and that's but that's in Miami. Sure, the Braves come to uh, Braves come to Cincinnati, and right. I didn't know that actually. What what, what series is that? I want to go to those games. That should all, be fun. That's uh, August twenty first okay. through the twenty fourth. They got four games with the Braves. That's good in that yep. series. So they actually actually you know what's interesting? They got the four games with the Marlins on the road, and then they come back and they play three games with the Marlins in Cincinnati, four games with the Braves, um, mm-hmm. and then they've got uh, well that and that's it. For the that's a, but that's still that's a good oh and the Mets they got a a three game home if they don't the Mets. beat the Mets I'm gonna be sick to my stomach so and then but you know what that's a weird timing for that series in early September yeah you got you're gonna be coming off a road trip where you're gonna be playing in Baltimore with, okay with no that's gonna be a tough series I'm gonna actually go on a, a run and say that this little stretch of of, of uh, let's see five seven that's twelve sixteen games that they have without a day off. It's going to be one of the most important uh, series of games for the Reds for the rest of the season. Yeah. Before they get to this 16-game stretch in the beginning of September, they have a series in Pittsburgh, and at the at, when the series is directly over, they've got a series in in uh, in St. Louis. That they St. Got, Louis go, series is going to be huge. Yeah. Well, this is how the Reds end the year: a series at St. Louis, home against the Brewers, home against the Pirates. I like that. I like that. To end so, the year. That's going to be the series right there to see who wins the National League. But in in September, they got the or, they're uh they got the Orioles. They've got oh. uh they got the Cardinals twice, once home, once away. They got the Brewers once home, once away. I mean, it's it's going to come down to it. You're going to see those teams have to play each other for the division, and that's the way it's supposed to be. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere at the beginning of September. That is going to be crazy. I'm getting excited just like talking. Oh man, this is this is good. I'm I want to go to as many of those games as possible. That's going to be a fun experience just seeing how the Reds – and hopefully they'll have Phillips back by and then. And they end the series – they end the – you know, with the six-game six game home stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that could be the difference, especially, you know, you're going to come down those Brewers and Pirates series are going to – at the end are going to be yeah. extremely important. Well, too. yeah, and hopefully with if Phillips is back, Phillips is Mr. Clutch for the Reds. So if Phillips can be back, that would be huge. Of course, at the same time, you would think that the Cardinals could be getting Molina back. So we'll have to see. Yeah. We'll have to see how I, it all shakes yeah. out. But I'm getting excited about baseball, and oh, uh, yeah. we are gonna uh, we we're up against our final break. Ooh. So we'll be right back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brand J Lawrence Personal Injury Attorney. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. EMF Unforgettable. I cannot believe that this song was from 1991. I feels like it was uh, so recent for me. 23 years ago, this EMF Unforgettable song, back when I was a, uh, a budding young teenager jamming out to this EMF song. And uh, it was this date in 1991 where uh, Mike Tyson raped Desiree Washington. This was the, mm. the downturn. You know, he just had lost to Buster Douglas. He maybe maybe that's why back. he did it. He was trying to come back after uh, losing to Buster Douglas to, uh, and, and he had uh, he was trying to regain his title. And then he goes to Indianapolis. There was a hotel in Indianapolis, and he 
raped Desiree Washington, and it was kind of the downturn for him. And uh, you know, and then he, I, and now he's kind of starting to make a little I never bit of a pop understood culture comeback. How you could do that in a hotel? It's not like you're going to somebody's house and you surprise them. I just, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there has to be some consent there. I mean, I don't there know. There could be consent to be together, but there then that's yeah. A whole that's what I'm saying. Consent. She has to at least agree to consent to one thing. That's yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. you and I are consenting here to have a conversation. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm not. If if anything else was to happen here, which would be really weird and creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. I'm sure that neither one of us would consent at all. So, right. you know, just because we're in the same room together. Doesn't I know. I, I'm for a, a sexual thing. So no, I agree with that. I'm just saying. Are you saying that, like men and women should never be in a hotel room that's alone? That's not what I said. <laughs> I'm, you know. I'm just saying that she knows that if he takes her to a hotel room, that that's gonna, you know, something's gonna happen. I'm just saying, someone doesn't invite you to a hotel room for, you know, a cup of tea. That's that's my point. Well, you know, she knew something was gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> but again, even with a relationship like that, there's different variety of things that could happen you know just a even if she just thought hey i'd go up there and you know we make out or whatever connect there's a and there's yeah a different you know i'm, I'm not just, i'm not saying i'm not trying to i he's definitely at fault i'm not trying to excuse him i'm just saying that maybe she should have thought ahead a little bit here she know. just won like what Ms. maybe she Black just wanted Indiana money or, what, I don't, what's the beauty pageant she won she would uh uh let's see i'll, I'll pull it up here in a second Maybe she just wanted money. She just wanted money. Some people just claim that it's that. I'm not well, saying that she, that's the case, but she got raped. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that maybe some people allow that or give like a sort of consent. I, so I think that, that you need not to talk right now. <laughs> I'm just saying some people do that. They they like. To. I'm not saying that some people don't do that. I'm just saying that you know that's a uh, you're going down a, a slippery slope right there when you have someone who was convicted. It was Miss Black America. That was what she won. Okay. So, uh, anyway, I, you know, if you're – I'll put it this. If you are a young – Miss, if you're Miss Black America, you're probably, what, 20, 21 years old, mm-hmm. somewhere yeah, around yeah. there. And Mike Tyson, who's the heavyweight champion of the world, not at the time, but, you know, at that time most people considered to be the greatest boxer and one of the top athletes of that generation. Yeah. He didn't have a face tattoo and all that stuff, so it wasn't like he was completely crazy. He hadn't bitten off anybody's ear Not or anything yet. like that. Not yet. Okay. If, if you're a 20-year-old kid right now and LeBron James walked through the door, you'd be some – what awestruck oh and, yeah and, for sure and not thinking clearly if the king and all walked in i would probably stop talking so now let's and i don't know if there was a female version of that you know let's say it was like mila kunis came in okay yeah. let's go if you want to go to that one sure you know and mila kunis said hey you want to go hang out in my hotel room um you're probably not going to say no <laughs> i don't know about that maybe i don't know so i mean i you know to say that she had some sort of Ulterior yeah. motive, the, the girl was raped, and that's yeah. not okay ever. Yeah, it's so. not okay. I'm not saying it is. I'm not condoning that at all. And it's, you know, uh, anyway. Okay. We're going <laughs> to stop that there. All right. We're going to stop that right there. Uh, if you want to hear that great conversation we just had, you can always download our podcast at lastsportscaster.com. So a uh, couple things right now. We only got like, you only got about eight minutes left to go on the show. We didn't even really get a touch on basketball or Korean all, and that's what I was doing all last weekend. Saw some Incredible players at the Under Armour Finals. Uh, saw Coach Patino out there with uh, Kenny Johnson, uh, you know, looking out for guys for U of L. 
Uh, they're really on to a couple of guys that were out there, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, those kind of guys. Uh, Coach Cal, John Robick were out there for Kentucky. Uh, saw t- Coach Crean out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Co- Indiana's got a, a chance, at, again, with Donovan Mitchell. But there's a guy that Indiana really likes, a guard out of uh, Kansas City named uh, Jimmy Witt. Is who, uh, who, KU and K-State not going after the guy from Kansas City? Well, Missouri's more of the, on the on his thing than Kansas and Kansas State are. Mm-hmm. I think uh, – this kid it could really be a good fit for Indiana. He can shoot the ball well. He can play the point. Um, ironically enough, Indiana has not offered this guy yet, and I can't figure out why who, that is. Who has offered him up to this point? Uh, let's let me, let's talk about the U of L commitment right now, and I'll pull that up while we're while we're talking. Uh, but U of L gets their first commitment <coughs> of the uh, for the 2015 recruiting class. Ding Adell, uh, a six seven athletic small forward mm. out of Australia. Who's playing uh, playing his high school ball down in Florida? Uh, plays for the Florida Elite. A great get for them because he really seems to be a guy who understands how to play the game, and uh, he just looks like the guy who's going to be a perfect fit for a guy uh, for Rick Pitino. I mean, it's just a, a really good overall fit for them. So uh, Jimmy Witt uh, again, Kansas City. That's a guy that Indiana guys need to really think about uh, or remember uh, as a guy that could uh, be a potential. Uh, here's the schools on his uh, that are looking at him. Uh, Kansas State has offered, uh, so there is interest there. Missouri has offered. Uh, Colorado, Arkansas, uh, SMU's in the mix. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, Wake Forest, Wisconsin, uh, Illinois. A lot of the Big Ten schools. Xavier. This guy is. He's getting a lot of offers. He's a, he's a he high should go to K State then. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would ever go to K State. Hey. <laughs> Oklahoma State, those kind of schools. So, K-State's got a decent basketball program. They're, they're Top okay. 30. They're probably you know, mid-level Big 12 team. <laughs> okay. I mean, Oklahoma State would be a better basketball program. Kansas is a better basketball program. Kansas is the best basketball program as far as basketball. And what, the Big 12? Yeah, that's what I'm talking okay, about. I thought overall. that's what you were talking about. Yeah. yeah Kentucky, yeah, yeah. obviously, is the best overall. All right, thank but, you. But uh, I can't, Kansas State, you know, they won the Big 12 two years ago, so they're not that poorly at basketball. No. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can win a conference every once in a while. A blind, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, the other kind of thing that, to me, this is, and tell me how you feel about this. We have the All-Star game, and it seems like once the All-Star game's played, we have the, uh, it's kind of like the unofficial start of really being able to talk about football. I know most people talk about football all the time, but now right. it's like football's like almost here. Yeah. We had the uh, SEC media days earlier this week. Right. Uh, and the ACC media days are going on right now. I'm assuming the Big 12 media days are coming up somewhere right. in the Big 10. I don't know exactly when those are. <clears throat> so uh, football season's here, and uh, Mark Stoops coming out with almost having a th- – he almost had a 1,000 kids on campus last night for a Friday Night Lights football. For Kentucky football. And That's so incredible. Like a, little, little, like a little mini football camp. Got two commitments last night, two yachts. Wow. So, uh, two big boys, huh? That, that – both of them are are, uh, are defensive backs. One's a one's a corner. One's a safety. Uh, the safety is a four star guy. Mm. Um, the def- the corner is a three star guy. And uh, Stoops is still getting it done, man. Man, that's incredible. I mean, how do you get it done on the, arguably the worst SEC team? Well, I mean, especially when you consider. I mean, yeah. what did they win? One or two? They won two games last year, maybe? I don't think they won an SEC game, did they? They did not win an SEC game. They won two games last year. They've won two games the last two years, have not won an SEC game in three years. And uh, 
it's just it's incredible to see that and you, for him to take these kids away from who he's taking them from. I mean, that's that's what really is. Who else was recruiting them? Uh, I'm pulling this up right now just to make sure I, I, I don't misspeak. I mean, uh, but you know, he's constantly beating Ohio State for Ohio kids. That's crazy. I you, mean, you know, I'm I've got my Kentucky Bowl shirt on right now, but yeah. I'm just. I, and I love Kentucky football. I mean, even though they're terrible, uh, how does he get these recruits? You know, how do you recruit somebody to go to a, a school like he Kentucky? Took the kid who who he, uh, the Walker kid who they just signed, who's the safety, yeah, chose Kentucky over Arkansas mm. and, and Notre Dame. Wow, that's a, that's pretty good. So I mean, that's to me just those are two programs that are excellent programs right there. And then let's see the other guy that uh, committed yesterday. I'm gonna pull it up here. Of course, the big one that was on campus is, uh, and this is a, the kind of the similar situation that we were talking about earlier. Kentucky's got a a, a deal where um, the top running back, Damian Harris, in the country, mm-hmm. is is from the Richmond area. All right. Oof. So we're and now he's mo- he's more of an Ohio State type running back than he is an SEC type running back. Right. But Kentucky's right there, and it looks like you know they got a chance to to knock. Kentucky's got the 18th best recruiting class in the country for next year already. That is incredible. Yeah, incredible. And so Kentucky's right there on the guy that you know could go anywhere he wants basically to play running well, back. The thing with Kentucky too is he could probably start, so that would be an incentive. Maybe and maybe he's not. a local kid. I mean, I think they got Kentucky's got a lot of really good young running backs to begin with, and uh, so Damian Harris is in the mix. A uh, guy that that would just be incredible, a five-star mm. guy for mm. Kentucky to to get would be um, just out of this world. I, I, that I, would be insane. I love the guys that they're that they're pulling in there, and I, I just similar how the basketball rivalry is so good right now because both programs are at such a high level. Yeah, the football and the programs for Kentucky and Louisville. You know, obviously the football program for Louisville right now is at a as a is a different level than Kentucky. Yeah. But with Petrino there, you know they're gonna stay there and I feel like Kentucky's getting up to that level. It's just gonna be so much fun. I, yeah, and baseball's at that level too. I mean college baseball, U of L, Kentucky are both Yeah, they're good. good, but I mean at the same time. I'm just saying the more watch football sp- the more sports that Kentucky and U of L when we talk about this are able to compete with each other in a competitive fashion, the more exciting it's gonna be. So uh, we'll talk more about basketball recruiting next week. I appreciate everybody listening in. JT, thanks for today. It's a good show. Thanks, Mike. And I uh, hope you have a, an excellent week. And we'll be right. We'll be back next week on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brand J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. You're unbelievable.